Welcome back to another episode of Shockwave Solutions, where we present real-life actionable insights for direct response marketers. And uh, Emma, just uh, thank you again for popping on here. Happy to jump in and talk to you about a couple of things that we're working on. And one of the things that we come across regularly is we've we've used a lot of different materials with helping uh, our clients get to a place where they have really clear direction and action that they can take in their business. Um, we've used uh, EOS and a number of other different programs and they're good, but as we're working through them, we kind of found some shortcomings and I kind of wanted to talk today a little bit about that process of, of what we find to be more effective um, with, with giving clear clients a clear direction and vision for their companies. And so I know, you know, you've been spending a lot of time specifically working on uh, scope wave, and I want to kind of drive into that a little bit and give a, a basically an intro to our audience about uh, how we work with clients to scope out their business, essentially. That's great. I wouldn't say um, EOS has a bunch of shortcomings. <laughs> it doesn't. It, it's, it's good. It's good. But, um, but I say for our space and the way that we align companies and um, how we create corporate structures is different than the mainstream company. Right. And so therefore it doesn't fulfill some of the needs that we may have. Uh, I'm still a big believer in EOS. I just, I think that it's missing some pieces for direct response and e-com. hundred percent, hundred percent. And I'm a big fan, you know, I'm a big fan. I've mentioned it multiple times in lots of different places. Um, and it's worked really well for Cambridge and other companies that we've, we've done stuff with, but it doesn't necessarily ha- cover everything that's needed for right. certain clients in our space. Right. So, so we've kind of, you've been working very hard on, on coming up with a, a structure that actually does fit that. And so I wanted to kind of, like I said, just, just touch base on a couple of the different points and walk through that a little bit um, as a high level overview, essentially. Sure. I'm just supposed to go now or okay. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I think some history, everything's a progression of something else, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you follow EOS and you follow Mark Winters and uh, Gina Wickman, then you probably know that they got the entire EOS structure. They, they took it from Double Double, which is Cameron Harold's version of EOS. It's his operating system. Um, And they just said, hey, things are missing. And they took it and they turned it into EOS. And so we kind of did the same thing with EOS. We kind of took it. It was such a great layout of an operating system. But for direct response marketers, e-commerce marketers, it just it's got some missing components. Um, And where our companies are mostly remote, it overall structures on how teams are built and maintained and mentored are very different than what we would do in our space. Right. So we, as in Shockwave, have for a long time worked with our clients on creating a VTO and implementing EOS as an operating system, but we've always bent it a little bit to be branded towards the specific company because I've always felt like if you want someone to follow a vision and you want someone to follow an operating system, it should match the brand that is your company, that is your brand. You should just go all in and brand it. And then in addition to that, I just always kind of felt that visionary entrepreneurs in our space 
are just a different breed of human. <laughs> and yeah, there's some uniqueness for sure. Yeah. Definitely. And I think that we can move mountains for them as long as we're aligning correctly with them. Mm -hmm. And so that takes a little bit of pivoting on what EOS had as a program. So over the years, we've added and we've changed the way it, you know, we build our VTOs with our visionary entrepreneurs. And that's where, you know, scope was born. Um, which is an overall operating system. And through that wave was born and that's our version of a BTO. Right. So let's, uh, let's run through it. Cause it's, it's an acronym, right? So um, I think, why don't we kind of just go through each of the different components, if you're okay with that and just talk, just, just a couple minutes on each one. Sure. So I'll okay. go through scope first and I'll just kind of go through it all. Cause I think yeah. that makes sense. And then we'll go back and start with us. So scope is S-C-O-P-E, setting your vision, create processes, operational excellence, people development mentorship, and execute or move. Mm -hmm. um, and so S, setting your vision is really, you know, WAVE, implementing WAVE. So getting right. your WAVE down. And WAVE is written vision, absolute focus, values-driven, future, and execution plan. We'll talk about that later, but S is basically doing wave, creating wave. Mm -hmm. C is create processes. I'm a big, big fan of where's that SOP? Oh, we don't have one. Create it. Sounds right. good. Make it up. Um, if you don't have a written process, you don't have a process. I tell yeah. people all the time. Clients love to say, we don't have it written down, but we have it. No, you don't. If it's not written down, you don't have it. You, <laughs> you don't have it, yeah. Right. Oh, operational excellence that speaks of itself. Um, having an a operational team that is in every department and is thinking about how to be excellent in every way on all of the day-to-day -day, um, duties and outcomes and tasks of our company. P, and this is my favorite and the one I talk about mm -hmm. the most, People development and mentorship, you're only as good as people that you have surrounding you doing the tasks and running the business. And then E, we can have all of these things, but if we're not executing and we're not moving, we're nothing. So that's scope. Yeah. And I like how it kind of wraps it up. Um, you know, setting your vision, we've talked about that a number of different times in a number of different podcasts about getting clear on your vision and your direction and helping your team to understand that to move forward. Um, um, creating the processes, you know, we talked about SOPs. Um, and the thing that I like about this, and especially, you know, going into different masterminds and, and it becomes very, very clear, more people I think now are, are looking at or considering or moving towards, um, how do I scale my business to something that's actually can be sold or acquired by somebody else? What makes it more valuable and having written processes documented and organized actually allows your business to have a substantially higher multiple in value because it's something that can be sustained without the original owners there or without the key people that may be there. So if something happens to somebody, somebody gets hit by a car, somebody, you know, wins the lottery. Let's be positive. They win the lottery. <laughs> Why does everybody always going to die in this scenario? I mean, shoot, I win the lottery. I'm still doing what I'm doing. <laughs> so, so really, you know, the way I like, exactly, me too. But the one of the things that I really like to, say instead of if someone dies or someone gets a hit by a bus 
is don't ever be held hostage if you want to let go of someone. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have written processes and you don't know what's on their plate and you don't know what you're doing, if they yep. do something that you feel like you need to terminate them, but the thought has to cross your mind of I have to get someone else on or I have to figure out what they're doing, you've done this all wrong. Yeah. You're holding a hostage now and you're a hostage in your own business. Plus, honestly, it makes like when you bring in new people to train them, it makes it so much easier and so much faster. Um, I, I agree with you, but it also, and I love to talk about this as well. Very sadly, um, I will say to someone, did you train her on this? Yes. <laughs> and then I'll go to the person and say, well, you were trained by so-and-so. And then come to find out they didn't train them. They simply sent them an SOP and expected them to figure out the rest. Now, granted, an SOP should should in most mm-hmm. cases be able to take you through a process so that you can do it without someone holding your hand. But there is something to be said for another human being walking you through it with the SOP. hundred um, percent. Yeah. If, if nothing else for building rapport and support. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, you know, when you actually go through, so it's one thing to write an SOP and have somebody else who's familiar with it under, uh, go through it and go, yeah, that looks good. But when you're, hiring somebody who doesn't have the experience or who's green and having them go through and go, uh, what does this mean? Like it gives you so much more insight into what should be covered in your SOPs and your training documents. Because if somebody who's new doesn't understand it or needs other information to understand it, then it's not a very good SOP. And those things become more clear when you, when you're actually training somebody using a document who's unfamiliar with it. True and false though, because for Mm -hmm. example, um, when I came into this space, I was working for someone who had like, you know, big chargeback issues. And so when they said to me, um, we're going to be meeting on the mids, I didn't even know what that meant. Right. Right. So I had SOPs created for me on pulling data on merchant accounts and reaching out to customers for chargebacks because I was onboarding and training a customer service team. But I didn't, there was no way that I could have possibly understood those SOPs. So right. even, even though they had definitions, even though they had examples, it still took a human being several mm-hmm. days to train me enough to be able to understand those SOPs. So I, I don't think that you need to go absolutely crazy on explaining it to the most layman person, but if they've had the overall context training, if that makes sense. Yeah, completely. So SOPs aren't meant to, they're not meant to replace training. They're meant to accentuate it. So when you're training someone, your SOPs are absolutely a phenomenal resource, but that's what they are, a resource, not a replacement of training. Right, right. So um, so that's creating the processes and documenting the, the processes as well. And then operational excellence. Let's talk, let's dive into that a little bit more because is it just doing it? Like how, what, what makes operational excellence its own thing? I, I, I love that because it, it's, I say all the time, like, that's not real words. Give me something <laughs> solid, something tangible. And I did this on purpose when I created operational, when we sat there and we were trying to decide on the acronym, if you remember, we spent right. a lot of time, our entire team spent a lot of time on it. And I'm not necessarily that much of a fan of vague things that don't mean anything, but for operational excellence, I did like it because it means something different for every company. And Mm -hmm. since you're creating this to be your own branded, customized operating system, it's different for your company to my company to someone else's. 
So what I mean by operational excellence is whatever it takes from an operational standpoint, and I'll go back in a minute, but to make your company run like a machine on the day-to-day, nothing is going to hit a hard stop because someone doesn't know what to do mm-hmm. because we all know what the path and what the goal is, if that makes sense. So um, for example, we go into companies all the time and the word operations isn't even um, understood to them on what that is. So right. operations in a company is not a department that does admin work. And it's incredible that so many people think that no. um, it, it's not, it's not what it is, is a division or person or group of people within your company that handle anything and everything that attaches to the day-to-day tasks, procedures, and necessary um, items to keep your company moving every day. Um, From (laughs) unlocking the door to paying the bills to human resources. Now we may not actually do those tasks, but we're responsible, responsible. to make sure that yeah. they get done, that we have the right people in the right place. And that's why you generally see the COO over all the other chief officers, because it's their job to make sure everyone else's job is moving in a sense that the day-to-day is getting done. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, the glue that keeps everything else functioning, right? It's like it holds the things, it holds the other departments together to make sure that they can actually function and do their job and do their part. Um but it, it's what what kind of sticks to every department. It's like it goes between all the other departments and it pulls it together to create a cohesive unit or cohesive system. Yeah. Um, I was explaining to one of our clients, Chris, who's just a phenomenal human being. He told me to paint him a picture. It's like, I see things in pictures, so paint me a picture. And I love this analogy and I've been using it. It'll probably end up in our book. So... If you think about every single department you have being a piece of a clock, so each number is, you know, a department like human resources or fulfillment manufacturing. And then the the two, uh, the second hand and the hour hand is like the hour hand is Chris, the president and CEO of the company. And the um, minute hand is all the affiliates that we need to run the company. If you think about all the cogs that make all of those things move, mm-hmm and keep Mm -hmm. it going. That's what operations is. And he goes, okay, yeah, that makes total sense. So (laughs) yeah, Yeah, because it's behind the scenes, right? It's not like it's not like people are seeing we're behind the clock. No one sees us. No one should. No one should. No one knows who we are. Um, We're just we're those cogs behind the clock that are keeping everything else moving so that everyone else knows what time it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's good. So then, so when it comes to operational excellence, then what the focus primarily is on making sure all of those systems are operating. Operational excellence, operational excellence is when those cogs are all moving perfectly and the Mm. time is always the right time of day. That's what operational excellence is. So what that actually means to your company is going to be different from mine, like I said before. But when Mm -hmm. the right time is being displayed every single day, you have hit operational excellence. Yeah, that's super good. I love that. Um, I really love that actually a lot. So, okay, so then that's operational excellence. And then when we're talking about uh, people development or mentorship, right? This is something that um, 
I know you actually get really excited about because that's one of the things that that well, I, I mean, for both of us, like we've had people who mentored and invested in us and helped us grow and develop individually, professionally, um, other areas of our lives as well. And also, I think it's one of the things that people find inherently most rewarding when they get to a certain level of their business to be able to bring somebody else or see them come up to their potential um, and play a part in that. Um, so I, I don't know if there's if there's more you want to add to that or or a different take you want to you want to put on that, but I think that's something that I don't think there's about. Very, yeah, it's the same thing, and we're very intentional about that at Shockwave, even though we hate it when we get there. <laughs> um, I'll bring up Julie. We have a podcast, uh, uh, Be Like Julie. Um, yeah. Julie was our very first executive assistant, our very first hire at Shockwave Solutions, and um, she worked for me prior to Shockwave with another company, and. We spent a lot of time, both of us, spent yeah, a lot of yeah. time on her and with her. Um, and we adored her. And when she came to us crying and asked for our permission to quit, that was, man, that was a hard day. I remember we both, I, I we didn't even need to talk about it. It was, we, we gave each other, yeah, we gave each other a look and we just congratulated her and told her how proud we were of her and let her go. And then I remember you called me immediately after and you went, well, shoot. <laughs> um because there was a sadness of course there was a sadness and i think that's the hardest part is knowing that sometimes when you're investing in someone you're investing in their uh, path to leave because you're not always going to with julie we always knew that right like she well she was very candid with us at the beginning about what her aspirations and hope was and the things that she was continuing to develop in herself um, on a journey that she was pursuing. And so we knew that that was part of what her intention and hope was. And then to see that come and become available right to her and have that opportunity was like, yeah, we've been investing in you and you've helped us tremendously, but to be able to support her and, and to encourage her in that journey, like it's awesome because we're invested in not just the work, but in who she is. Right. Right. And I think that the people development mentorship part is, I, I said it at the beginning of this, and I say it all the time, it's probably my favorite component of my job. Mm-hmm. It it also leaves me very sad sometimes, like you invest so much in someone and they do something just so we recently had this happen. They do something so foolish and you there's absolutely nothing that you can do. Your hands are tied and mm-hmm. you have to let them go or you have to discipline them in a way that, you know, is going to, you know, yeah. Make your your time and your your commitment to them and your path with them just such a waste of time and it's it's soul sucking. It, it it's is. hard. It's hard. I don't. I wouldn't say it's a waste of time, but it's it is. It, it, is. it feels that way. It doesn't matter. It is. If if <laughs> if I spend four hours a week on calls with you because we have two two hour mentor calls per week, mm-hmm. you're really trying, and I'm really trying to get you to a place. And you throw it all away off of a foolish and stupid decision. You've wasted my time and yours. That doesn't necessarily mean that it was all for nothing, but you wasted your time and, and, and your time and mine. In any event, the people development component is so big for me. And I mean, what I'm talking about right now is one person out of you know 60 over the past 24 months. Because mm-hmm. we really yeah. haven't, we, it, the, the right. ratio of people who go on and do well and the ratio of people who just make 
foolish decisions is very, very uh, the big difference, right? Right, right. But I do enjoy the psychology behind every person and how each person learns differently. They're motivated from different things. They're pushed differently. And I just, I just enjoy that. And we, in our book, in our second book, we've been playing with some of the way, you know, the things to call them, which we hint about in the first book scope. And Mm -hmm. I mean, we, the lengths we've gone to name these personality types um, (laughs) and the things that I've done, I've watched Shrek for God's sake. Um, I'm actually going to talk about that in the book because I feel like I have to, but um, just the lengths that we went to to name these personality types and just really dive in to understand them and also how to not fix them, but divert them onto the employees that show up that we want to work with versus the employees that show up that we don't want to work with. Like, what, what do you mean by that? God, I was just thinking I went so off topic, but okay, we'll go back. <laughs> Um, so, so I'll just throw it out there. So we have three types of personalities that show Mm -hmm. up in a positive light and three types of personalities that show up in a negative light. And so the personalities that show up in a positive light are people we want to work with. They want to see others succeed. They display our core values. They are people we want to work with. And then there are people who have negatives that, um, Um, I'm sorry. I just realized actually that Richard labeled them backwards from positive to negative. But anyway, um, but in any event, because I happen to be looking at the spreadsheet, but in any event, so people that show up negative, they show up negative, but it's the polar opposite of the positive. And Mm -hmm. so you can certainly work with people and redirect them. So uh, one of the worst types of people to work with is the drama queen, right? The person Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. everything and turns it into a fire. Everything has some component of drama. There's always an issue. There's always a problem. Everything can't just be freaking chill. And so, but there is, there is ways to work with that person to help them. We like someone with a sense of urgency. We like to work with someone Mm -hmm. who can recognize fires. So what better person than the drama queen to train on how to mitigate against challenges and fires before they become fires if you can teach them not to constantly be living in the drama if that right yeah 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 Yeah. so i Um, can take someone who shows up in a way that i don't want to work with them they're just exhausting and annoying and (laughs) help and help them show up in a way that is fun and exciting and a, a contributing member of our team right and it's, it's just redirecting that energy in a way that's actually productive. Correct. Yeah. Um, okay. So, and again, there's a lot that we can go into on, on people development and mentorship um, and continuing. Like, I think, I think this is one of the other things is like, like always growing and always learning. Like that's something that I know you are always doing. You're constantly reading and, and uh, working on growth myself as well. We want our team. That's a value that we when do appreciate. You podcast (laughs) (laughs) i'm just i'm just messing with you 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 do Um, have an incredible knack to learn yeah it's just and it's something that i enjoy and i and i enjoy seeing that in other people too because i want them to grow and that's part of you know going to that that development side um let's move on to going through the rest of this so execution and or move right 
So getting stuff done, what, what, what are we, what are we looking here um, when we're talking about execution? So nothing pisses me off more. And you probably know this than, better than anybody than people who want to talk about doing stuff for long periods of time and not actually doing anything. It, yeah, I know that is definitely you, but, but you want to understand eight ways from Sunday, how, how to solve a problem rather than there's the best way. Let's just go. Or let's think about it for a while. I like to let's bullet points. That sounds good. Let's move. Let's figure it out. Because by the time you're done talking about it, I've already solved the problem and moved on to eight other things. I cannot freaking stand talking about a resolution for something for a long period of time. I will say that that isn't always a positive thing that you sometimes you have to slow down to understand that there's more than one way to solve a problem. And sometimes the first way is in the best way. Um, but Sometimes it, it, is. it is, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. And then what do you by, by waffling too, right? And spending a lot of time right. or analysis process. Right. So, so yeah. you got to, there has to be some kind of discernment on, okay, I've heard enough about the problem and we've discussed enough about the solution that I feel comfortable moving forward and fixing the damn problem. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to fix the problem and you can go sit on the other side of the room and ponder it some more. Um, but I'm going to go and move on it because you got to be able to make decisions and you got to be able to move or nothing happens. And you also have to be able to stay strong in your decisions. That's the other problem, right? Is we've had clients. One of my favorite clients is the worst because he'll agree to something. He'll yeah, go ahead. (laughs) And then the next day he's like, you know, I was thinking about it and I don't want to do that anymore. I want to do this. And then I work on it for like 10 hours because I have to undo what I did. You're moving. <laughs> and then we'll get it all set up and he'll be like, yeah, you know what? The original way made more sense. So sometimes, you know, you, you got to have that discernment. You got to have the ability to, okay, we're committed to this decision. Let's go. Mm-hmm. But you got to be able to, and like, you just got to be able to, okay, it doesn't have to be hundred percent perfect all the time. We don't have to decide the best and cheapest path because what we'll lose while we're sitting talking about it, yeah. maybe far more saved by picking a different path. Right. And really, is it good enough to move forward with? Because you can always course adjust right. as you're moving, but, and it's, and it's so much easier to adjust the course as you're moving than it is like when you're standing still, you know, it's a little easier with a power steering now, but you know, <laughs> right. But, it, but, the momentum allows you to adjust the course so much easier and faster than getting the momentum to get started in the first place. And so once you, once you're moving, the continuation allows you to just make those adjustments um, a little bit easier, I think. Um, Did you want to, did you want to kind of wrap it up there or did you want to get into the wave part or just leave it a scope for right now? Um, I I think we can review wave like super fast since you brought it up because I think it's, I hate when people do that on their podcast. Catch us next time. <laughs> yeah. It's really um, so wave wave is really simple. It's written vision, putting pen to paper and writing out your actual vision. We do it a little bit differently. Like I take our visionary entrepreneurs through what their life looks like in 10 years. So if they yeah. have kids, I make them tell me how old their kids are 10 years from now. What school are they going to talk to me about the average day? I want to hear what they're doing in their personal life 10 mm-hmm. years from now. 
And then I want to hear about the business. And then I want to see if those things correlate. Because if we're going from 20 million to 200 million in 10 years, but you're still the CEO um, and you're also only working two hours a day, you're delusional and that's not going to work. So I want to make sure that everything's aligned so that you, the visionary entrepreneur, can set yourself up to, okay, no, I'm going to have you know someone else running this part of the business or that part of the business. Oftentimes, they come back with, you know, <laughs> they sacrifice the family usually. Um, as much as I know that kills you, it, and I do too. It's like, oh, well, maybe I won't go on four vacations this year. Maybe I'll do four weekend trips and we'll grow the business another few million dollars. Um, so that's... Uh, I was gonna, where, yeah, hmm. I just want to pop in there because I, I, I like that you actually spend time with clients when we're running through this to help them not just like say those things, but like really actually think about and envision what that looks like and uh, what they're realize if they're going to do this, and this is an important vision to actually execute and complete, then what, what it's going to take, what sacrifices it's actually going to take. Cause it's hard. It's hard to have everything all the time. I'm not saying it's not possible, but it's very difficult. And usually, usually if you're going to have a big, accomplishment of some sort, it's going to take some level of sacrifice. It doesn't matter if it's the Olympics or right. if it's building a business or going out for a sports team, if you're in high school or whatever, um, right. or your marriages or whatever, like, it doesn't matter. Like anything that's a big audacious goal that you have is going to mean you have to say no to other things in order to really commit to completing that. Um, and especially the shorter the time frame, the more you have to commit. So uh, making that real and tangible to people so that they are understanding, hey, that means I'm not going to be at the ball game with my kids, or uh, maybe I can go to one a month or, you know, whatever it looks like, if, if whatever that actually tangibly looks like, spending the time with, uh, with the clients or visionaries to really envision what that's going to look like for their specific situation. And, and oh, like, it's almost like committing before you commit. Like I have this idea sometimes where I talk about um, like, when, when I commit to working out, it's like I've committed to it. And then when I wake up in the morning, I'm not making that decision like, oh, I'm going to do this or not. It's like I've already committed. And so now when I wake up, it's a reaffirmation of the commitment I already made. Right. So it just, I just, I like that you make that tangible is all I'm saying. Yeah, I, um, I actually walk them through it. And I always say that I'm the ghost of Christmas future. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it gives you the opportunity to really dive into <coughs> it gives you the opportunity to really dive into your personal and professional life. And mm -hmm. we look at um, one, three, five, and 10 years. EOS does one, three, and 10. I think that there's way too much time between three and 10. Mm -hmm. But I also think that three is super important because one for one year is great, but three years really tells you where you're going. And yeah. time and time and time and time again, we set our one year goals and our three year, you know, um, pictures, mm -hmm. and we hit our three years in year one or right. within eight many times. Yeah, yeah. I do think it's important to have that three, but three to ten is too far away. And 10 gives you a real big picture, big, big, big picture view. So mm -hmm. I really like one, three, five, 10. So I start at 10 
and then I work my way back to five. Mm -hmm. Then we actually go to one first and then five. So it, I know that seems super confusing, but it just works well with visionaries. So we go to 10, I get a couple of bullet points on what their life is like, what their personal life is like. We get those things aligned and then we bring it down five years. And then over the next year, what do we want to accomplish? Okay. So now in order to get from year mm -hmm. one, to year five, what do we need to do like midway that we need to be thinking about and working on now? So we come mm -hmm. up with our three years. So we do one, three, five, 10 for our written vision. And then next we do our absolute focus. And so that is going to be the thing that no matter what we do in our business, no matter what goal we choose, what new business, you know, what new product we launch, we're going to go back to our absolute focus and ask ourselves, does that align with what we're absolutely focused with? And if it's not, it's a shiny object and it doesn't mm -hmm. belong in the business, go start a new LLC with a new set of resources or throw it in the trash because we're not doing that here. And our absolute focus cannot be some vague nonsense. And visionaries always try to do that because they know that they're going to be told no. Um, I can't tell you how many times supplement companies want to buy. Let's buy a house because the housing market is great right now. Why are we talking about this on a meeting in our meeting? Um, but it, it's just a way to keep everybody focused. The V is values driven future. So we want to take our core values. We want to create, you know, three to six ish things that are absolutely phenomenal are phenomenally important for us, for all of our employees and our high level vendors, who they are as people give shockwaves, Travis. You yeah. shouldn't have to grab the VTO, bro. You have it though. But here's the thing. It's always within reach. Yeah, <laughs> so, <that's true. laughs> okay. Yeah. So for shockwave, proactive problem solver, right? Uh, integrity, pride in the work. We over me, adaptable and the hero mentality. Yeah. So um, we like to have every visionary come up with, you know, there are three to six things that mm -hmm. is their core values that we're going to hire, fire, promote, um, and give reviews on. And in a, so when I say values driven future, I want to make sure I'm going to go back to my written vision. I'm going to go back to my 10 years. I'm going to mm -hmm. go back to my five years. And does that actually align with our values? If our values are to create, uh, or our, if our values is, you know, um, integrity and something that, mm -hmm you know, a product that we want to come out with doesn't live in our integrity. Right. Or a, a new incentive or program isn't part of, you know, what we want for our values as far as our employees. And we need to live up to it ourselves. So our product can't live outside of that. So do they match our core values? I was trying to think of some examples but we're under NDAs and every example, <laughs> I would really have to break that. But I mean, anytime. Such restraint. So proud of you. <laughs> um, it's actually the two things that popped in my head. Those people do listen to our podcasts. And yeah, I know that. So careful, but, um, but it, you know, values driven future. You definitely want to make sure that all of the things that you've planned 
align with your values and your focus. And then finally, mm-hmm. the execution plan. And so you hear me talk about execution a lot. Um, the execution plan, if you don't create an execution plan, your company can't move forward without you making every decision. And you don't no. want that. Definitely do not want that. So your execution plan kind of um, sets the tone for what parameters is it okay just to move from the lowest level employee to the highest level manager? What are they allowed to do? What do they actually need approval on? Right. But if it lives in this box, because this is our goals, can they just go? Can they just, yeah. if they're producing it, can they just move? And so that execution plan is, you know, no excuses. I wasn't in this week, but you have no reason why you didn't complete this because in the execution plan, you can clearly see in writing that you were supposed to finish this and move on to this. Mm-hmm. It sounds, it sounds uh, almost like you're describing it as a balance between like empowering and accountability. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. It looks a lot like an accountability chart for goals. Mm-hmm. Right. For, for each goal. Yeah. That's so good. All right. Well, I think that's probably a great place to wrap up for today. Um, yep. I, thanks, Emma, for kind of running through this with us. Um, I'm looking forward to diving into this a little bit more, maybe in some future episodes as well. And uh, with that, I think we'll catch everybody next time.